Hey everyone, welcome to Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck, the podcast that takes a deep dive into canine behavior, building up alone time comfort, and helping improve the welfare of our beloved canine companions. In this podcast, we will discuss real-life tactics for modifying behavior, real alone time case studies, and help guide you through the emotional process of behavior change. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take the next step in your alone time training. Welcome back to Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck, the podcast, episode four. Today we are going to be diving into a very, very common mistake that I see families make when attempting to build up comfortable alone time, how to avoid this situation, and just some tips and advice from there. But before we do, I wanted to, as always, address a few listener questions that came through over the past week um, and get those answered for everybody. So here we go. Okay, so question number one comes from Kaylee, and she is curious about a situation in which her dog only displays anxiety when her husband leaves. So this is actually very common, Kaylee. Um, I have a lot of cases where one parent leaving is a little bit more of an increased response than the other, etc. My first recommendation is going to be to focus your behavior modification and alone time training on the specific person that has a heightened response. For example, in this case your husband so what that might look like when you first start a protocol is rather than the house being fully empty or both of you walking out together etc we might set it up so that you are at home and your husband is doing the coming and goings of the alone time protocol that way we are able to start to build up her comfort with that specific situation and then once we have that under wraps and it's looking a lot more comfortable maybe not fully to the point of your goals quite yet but once you're able to have your husband come comfortably exit out for some of the initial phases of training, then you can start to switch things up a little bit and add in yourself or start working um, on alone time when nobody's in the home and your husband leaves or when you just leave when nobody's in the home, etc. So it's really common to have these different variables when it comes to each individual case. But as long as we are modifying accordingly and making sure that we're not going faster than the pup is comfortable, we will be good to go on that front. Um, Another quick tip in regards to management would be to create the setup in which when your husband does actually really need to leave for a real absence outside of training, to manage the situation in which maybe you have your pup out with you on a walk or out in the yard practicing practicing training sessions, etc., so that she's not, or he or she, your pup is not actively observing the stressful situation of your husband leaving. This can help us make sure that we are not constantly reminding the pup that it is stressful when the husband leaves, and we can also just kind of keep those overall stress levels at a minimum as much as possible. In addition to this, if you notice that um, your pup is really struggling and even the behavior modification process is really hard to make headway uh, with this current situation that you find yourself in, I absolutely would recommend bringing in your veterinarian or a vet behaviorist just to make sure that we are covering all of our bases when it comes to building up comfortable alone time. And in some cases, behavior modification alone is not going to be enough for that specific individual. So I'm always about creating the team and bringing the vet staff on board as well. Kaylee, hopefully that helps answer your question and let me know if you have anything else. 
All right, and then this next question is from a Haley. Funny enough, so Haley, uh, Haley is curious about her pup, who just seems to never really settle throughout the day. Um, has levels of what looks like anxiety on walks, um, in the car. She mentions um, at daycare um, as well as alone time. Obviously, the big concern as of right now. So Haley, first and foremost, before any recommendations, I would absolutely recommend bringing your veterinarian or vet behaviorist on board. Think about it this way, an individual that is in a constant state of panic or stress or even frustration for that matter is not really ever going to have the chance to fully decompress, uh, decompress, take a break, you know, take a breath and just kind of relax and be a dog. For a human, we would never wish that high level of a stress on somebody 24-7, um, etc. So I would definitely recommend bringing in the vet, vet behaviors on board because this is not just a behavior concern, um, what you're describing but this could also be an overall welfare concern. So I would definitely want to make sure that we're doing our due diligence to create lasting behavior change as quickly as possible, as well as make sure that your pup is, you know, just feeling comfortable in their own skin. So that's definitely the first step that I would take. Um, in addition to that, what you will find is that moving through an alone time protocol in addition, in addition to help from your veterinarian or vet behaviorist, you can likely start to see increases in overall comfort and independence where pups that normally are hyper-focused, um, and that's, I'm obviously saying that lightly, not saying that this is your specific pup situation, but for pups that are quote-unquote hyper-focused or never really relax, a lot of clients will start to notice that adding in a protocol to the daily regimen or almost daily regimen just allows the pup to start to develop a little bit more independence. They are going into the other rooms on their own and taking naps. They're less concerned about all of the noises outside. And I would attribute this to taking off some of that extra added stress that they have on the day to day. They just feel a little bit more comfortable overall, generally speaking. And last question for today, which is an amazing question from listener Rick. Um, Rick had mentioned uh, that he has tried systematic desensitization and that it just wasn't working for his pup and what else can he do to help his pup with alone time? So Rick, this is a very common question that a lot of clients have or potential clients have when they are looking into different options, different trainers, et cetera, out there on the internet. And what I will say is that Systematic desensitization in and of its own is is essentially gradually exposing an individual to a known trigger at a level that does not omit a stress response. So in a situation in which systematic desensitization isn't working, quote unquote, I would be wondering two things. Is it like just not working in the sense that you're not seeing improvements or is it not working in the sense that things are getting harder or worse or more extreme from your pup? And depending on which uh, answer you have, it's going to be a little bit of a different route. First off, if you find that you're just not making progress, I would definitely look at the level of criteria that you're setting. It might be setting the bar a little bit too high for where your pup currently is at a functioning mindset. You might need to lower it slightly and give them some easy wins or work on some foundations. However, caveat to that, if you are seeing that the situation's getting worse with your training, then I would definitely be concerned about potential sensitization and I would absolutely, in either boat, honestly, bring your veterinarian or vet behaviorist on board just to make sure that we, again, are doing due diligence by our pup because the, the unfortunate news is that not every dog is going to be able to work through an alone time protocol just with behavior modification, okay? There are some pups whose level of 
fear, anxiety, or stress are just so heightened on the day to day, excuse me, so heightened on the day to day that sometimes we might need to have vet staff on board for additional medical, uh, potential medical intervention if they deem that appropriate. Um, Side note to that, I would say a lot of times what I'm seeing in these cases in which the systematic desensitization, quote unquote, isn't working is just that it's not actually desensitizing the pup because the levels of criteria on the warm ups or overall session that you're doing are just too hard. So I would make sure that you're not going too fast with training. Um, also check in with your vet just in regards to potential underlying health concerns that you might not be fully aware, be fully aware of. And last but not least, get a second opinion regarding the training that you're currently doing because there are many trainers out there and there are many different ways of people doing things. And if you're not seeing progress or if you're not comfortable with what is being recommended to you, definitely reach out for a second opinion or a third opinion or a fourth opinion or a fifth opinion. There are so many qualified CSATs out there that can help you work through a comfortable alone time that if you're not really feeling that you're making progress with whatever protocol you're doing or training or education on your own, definitely reach out because we are here to help whenever you need us, okay? All right, you guys, now we are on to the exciting stuff. So reminder, today we are going to be discussing a very tragic mistake that I see many families make when attempting to build up comfortable alone time. Um, So basically, over the past year, I have had so many cases come across my desk with a very similar trend. They, uh, these families are increasing difficulty when their dog is doing quote unquote well, and only decreasing difficulty when their dog is struggling or failing. These families, when they finally come to me um, for consultation or for initial assessment, they're feeling oftentimes exhausted they're defeated, they're hopeless, wondering if there's even a light at the end of the tunnel, and they're just really struggling to understand why their dog was making progress for the first few weeks or even few months of training, and now they're just kind of at a standstill. So after diving into many of these cases, I have found that not only do these dogs only have what I call quote unquote easy days when they're failing, uh, but they also are following a pretty cookie cutter process of adjusting criteria and are very consistently increasing duration almost every session. So for the betterment of our industry and to help prevent other unknowing families from making the same mistake, I am here to take a stance on this, you guys. First off, your dog is an individual. Cookie cutter processes are not going to be helpful when working on comfortable alone time. Uh, Second, your dog's environment plays a huge role in their behavior. I'm not just talking about the environment inside of your house. I'm talking about stimulation. I'm talking about going out and about. I'm talking about outside stressors, neighbors, etc. Environment is just kind of everything that's going on surrounding your pup on the day to day. Not to mention our dogs have good days and they have bad days just like us. And when we're working on changing an emotional response, this is simply not a quote unquote black and white situation, right? It's not just did my pup do great or did they do bad, but there's usually multiple little uh, situations or setups that we really need to take into consideration, which is why myself and my fellow CSATs, we are huge on data tracking because it's not just do your homework, five gold stars, here we go, heading in the right direction. It's the bigger picture. We are looking at increased welfare overall with the cases that we're taking on. We are trying to Make that make sure that we're not just uh, you know emptying glass or emptying water from one glass and pouring into the next, etc. We need to really be tracking all these little things, even if they seem like they might not be related to alone time. Because oftentimes, if a dog is doing good and doing bad, and it's not something observable like shift-wise in training, it's usually something else that's going on.
So going back to data collection and why it's so important is because you guys, again, this is not a good, bad, black, white situation. Increased duration, decreased duration. We need to be looking at the big picture. We need to be looking at that dog's day-to-day -day schedule, that dog's routine, the time of day that they're doing sessions, who's doing the session, how much activity did they have, was their stomach upset? Like all of these different variables are absolutely going to come into play and just focusing on your dog's for example, terminal behavior on the final step of a session is not necessarily going to be indicative of whether or not that dog's ready for an increase um, or if they want it or if they would benefit from a decrease, etc. So just to kind of get us thinking, some of the things that we need to take into consideration when we're seeing either an awesome response on a session or a negative response on the session include things like, um, did your pup do great with warm-ups, for example, but then have a hard time on the final step? If so, we might just need to be adjusting our warm-ups specifically was the upset related to potentially a new pre-departure cue and not actually the final duration. If so, we might need to do a little bit more toggling in regards to those pre-departure cues. Was your neighbor, for example, out of town and they're usually home and they're usually stomping around so everything was super quiet that day you did a session, which is why your pup did amazing. Maybe the next day your neighbor comes back. Maybe your pup has a different response to that situation. In these cases, constantly looking at that one final behavior on that one day snapshot in time is not helpful. Another thing to keep in mind, did your pup maybe have more activity, therefore they were a little bit more satiated at the time of the session, or maybe families in town and everything's just super mentally exhausting, so by the time that they leave on Friday and you do your assessment on Saturday, you're getting an amazing response, but it's really just in regards to an increased level of lethargy from your pup. Um, does the time of day impact your dog's relaxation? Are they on edge due to outside noises or construction? etc. So as you can see, it's just simply not as easy as a they did five out of five increase, they did two out of five decrease success score, etc. We need to be looking at the big picture, which is why it's so important that unless you feel comfortable doing data tracking and keeping track of all of these different variables that might influence success or discomfort, it's really helpful to have a professional on board that's worked through these cases and can kind of think about all of these little shifts to day to day that might have an impact that you're not even thinking about, right? And why should you? You're looking at the results of a certain session that you did, right? Not necessarily the big picture in a lot of these situations. So I highly encourage that we just stop looking at it as a, okay, they did a five out of five success score on that final step. We're going to increase. And there's more, there's more where that came from in just a second. So as you can see, there are so many reasons why things might go good or why they might go bad. And this is the main reason why we really need an individualized approach that is heavy on data tracking so that we can be assured that we are taking the most humane and efficient way possible to build up comfortable alone time. Always aiming to increase criteria is a sure way to sensitize your pup to the training process. And that might lead to heartbreak when you find yourself really struggling to continue making progress after those you know, first couple of weeks or months, etc. Looking at my personal experiences, I can think of three cases off the top of my head right now. And trust me, there are many more, but there's just three that are really standing out in which by the time I started working with them, their pup was so sensitized to training that when we dove in, it would essentially take each of these dogs many months of very, 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 very slow foundation work to even get the owner out that front door without their pup going into immediate panic. This is so sad and frustrating 
frustrating because these families really do believe that they are using quote unquote systematic desensitization. And when I try to explain that what they were doing is not in fact desensitization, but actually might be sensitizing their pup, they have a really hard time wrapping around, wrapping, wrapping their mind around the differences. In order to effectively and efficiently incorporate systematic desensitization, we need to track data. We need to track day-to-day -day trends. We need to ensure that we are working at a level that is comfortable for our individual dog. When we get stuck in this mindset of a percentage increase method or increasing um, every time your dog does well, you're going to be jumping onto a sinking ship. When we are increasing our dog's alone time duration every time they do well, we are essentially punishing their reduced levels of stress by adding more to their plates. So to put it in human terms, imagine if you were training for a marathon and every time you completed a run with a quote unquote okay level, your trainer increased your miles for the next run. This might not be a big deal when you're first getting started with training, but after a few weeks or a few months of steady increases, you are bound to start feeling overwhelmed and fatigued. This is why when you're training for a marathon, we do not always increase mileage, but instead we are providing super easy mileage days, rest days, etc. Or in another situation, think about this you are doing great like a great job at work so your boss gives you another case to take on you're crushing that level of work so they add another you seem to do okay at that next level so they continue adding more this cycle continues until you finally crash and need to take a vacation so you take an extended weekend you get some decompression time return to work complete all of your work right on time that first day and your boss then sees that as the green light from you that they can add on some more work again and on and on and on and this cycle does not stop you're always exhausted you're always feeling pressure you're always working harder and harder and you're just never giving a break so you might be thinking now okay but that's why I make things easier when things get tough right wrong if you're only making training easier when a pup has a hard time and then use that quote-unquote easy win to gauge another potential increase your pup is never going to catch a break you guys so you're probably wondering okay then ali well what do i do um so this is why when i'm working with a case even if they do absolutely amazing five out of five gold stars twice in a row i am much more inclined to give them a super easy or moderate duration for that next session because believe it or not, these easy to moderate wins mixed into training can actually end up doing even more for our pups long-term goals than those bigger duration increases themselves. Think about it this way. So let's say that your alone time training um, protocol is a piggy bank. Every time your pup has a super comfortable, successful session, you're adding 25 cents into that piggy bank. So think about it in every time that you're giving them an easy to moderate win and they're crushing it, you're adding more and more and more. Then when we get to the point of increasing duration or criteria, etc., you might end up taking out maybe a dollar or two dollars at a time, but you still have a nice hefty account to withdraw from. However, think about it in the context of if you are putting in 25 cents every time your pup does good, but then you are also going to be doing the next or the next session harder and harder and harder, you are likely going to be running on a pretty much empty bank account or going bankrupt. So think about this in the context that we want to have 
have a beautiful, big, strong bank account of trust in the process and you just simply cannot get that level of comfort or experience or, you know, whatever label you want to put on it. If you are always bankrupting your pup and just making them run on like that thin ice mindset where it's always really hard. They're sitting at the edge of their seat, but they're holding on. Right. That's not helpful. That's not conducive to increased welfare. And it is most honestly going to be a surefire way to sensitize your pup and then make it even harder for you to then go back and work on foundations and rebuild this platform again. This is why it's so hard and emotional and challenging when these cases are, you know, finding themselves in the situation because then when they do find a trainer that is actively working on creating an individual plan for their dog and incorporating systematic desensitization to build up alone time comfort, it's a struggle to even get that groundwork in because your pup may have already been so sensitized to the um, what looks like a training session due to those constant increases that that's why going back to what I mentioned earlier on this call, we might find ourselves working for months and months and months to even get you out the door without having an immediate response and panic. Okay. So remember when we are working to change the way a pup feels, if things are always getting harder and harder and harder, and they're only getting those easy wins when they're already bankrupt and don't have a big, strong trust account in the training process, we're gonna be going nowhere fast, you guys. All right, you guys, well, hopefully that helped answer some of those questions out there. And just if anybody has any questions regarding anything that I mentioned, or if you're feeling like you maybe have been increasing too much and just following a percentage increase um, type of uh, protocol, please, please, please reach out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. We just might need to take quite a few steps back, work on some of that foundation level understanding of alone time, and then build up from there, okay? So for all of my families out there all over the world, that are working on building up alone time comfort, take a breath, trust the process. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Did today's episode leave you with any lingering questions? I would be more than happy to address them on my next podcast. Please send me any questions or comments pertaining to this episode via Instagram at Training with Allie and or on Twitter at Training with Allie. I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you. All links and information discussed on this podcast can be found in the show notes below. This podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any individual case. Please consult your veterinarian before adding to or modifying your pet's current treatment plan.